0: This message is brought to you by Cedar Springs Church. For more information, please visit cedarspringschurchnm.org. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. And the Lord said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, And they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls, all around, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them. For all their evil and forsaking me, they have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I, make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall against this whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just sang, we come to this field of your word to seek the the treasure that is hidden there. We seek the, the face of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in these pages, and I pray, Lord, that you would show him to us. That you would reveal yourself through your word, that you would grow us by it, that you would transform us into a better image of, of our Savior that we see. And ultimately, Father, I pray through it you would transform us into a, a better image of Him that others would see. Father, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So, what do you think of when you think of spring? Like when winter seems to just keep dragging on and on, what, what's that thing that happens that tells you spring is finally here? Like maybe it's the irises or the tulips, those little shoots that pop out of the ground when it's still really cold. Maybe it's that little bit of warmth in the afternoon that you just haven't felt in a while. If you're like me, maybe it's the clogged sinuses and the watery eyes that <laughs> tell you beautiful things are trying to kill you again. What is it? What is it that you look for to tell you that, that spring has arrived? Well, Jeremiah was from a small town, a village really, called Anathoth. Anathoth. It's about three miles northeast of Jerusalem. And in Anathoth, the almond tree blossoms is what told you that spring had arrived. It's like the cherry blossoms in uh, the festival in Washington, D.C. in the spring. Anathoth could have had an almond tree blossom festival. But here's the interesting thing. Because the almond tree is what bloomed first, it's what the farmers watched to see when spring had arrived. So in the Hebrew language, the word for almond tree is the same word as watching. The Hebrew word for almond is saked, while the Hebrew word for watching is sakad. So the farmers would sakad the saked tree. In other words, the almond tree is the watching tree or the waking tree. It's the first tree to wake up in the spring, so it's the tree that the farmers would watch because when you live in an agricultural society, you watch something like the almond tree very intently for signs of spring, signs that it's time to plant. And in Anathoth, the farmers kept a very close eye on the almond tree. So in verse 11 and 12, when God shows Jeremiah an almond tree, what he's saying is, I'm watching over my word, just like you watch the almond tree. That's what I want you to see this morning. I want you to see the same thing that God God wanted Jeremiah to see, and that is God is watching. God is still watching. And in verse 11 and 12, the first thing God says is, is he is watching over his word to perform it. He's watching over his word to perform it. And the reason I want you to see that is because it doesn't always seem that way, does it? Sometimes more than others, it feels like God is distracted or even absent. Like, why are these things happening to me? Why why is this violence and chaos and and everything? Why, why Why don't I feel the peace that God said I would feel? Brothers and sisters, God is watching over his word. He is watching over his His promises to make sure that they come to pass. He is still watching over his word. Like every time we see a rainbow, God has told us that is proof that he is watching over his word to make sure that, that the earth is never destroyed again by water. Or Matthew 28, where Jesus promised us that He would be with us always. He's watching over that word to make sure it happens. Or John chapter 14, where Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit who would come and teach us and comfort us and, and guide us. He's watching over that word to make sure that it performs. He is ensuring that takes place. Is God watching over those promises? Absolutely. Many of us know that intimately. At different times and in different places, we know God is watching over that. In other words, especially today, when it, when it seems like so many things are going opposite of what God said would happen, God wants us to know that He's awake. He's watching and that He never sleeps or gets distracted. He is always watching over His Word to make sure what He says happens. But what about Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21? When Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Is God watching over that part of his word to make sure it performs? Or what about Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, where John is describing Jesus and he says, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Is God watching over that promise to make sure it performs? What about Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, when Paul said, God will render to each one according his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Is God watching over that part of His Word to make sure it performs? Because you see, when it comes to God's Word, His promises, like adding a bunch of sugar to our milk, we, we like to think of the, the good ones The happy ones, the peaceful ones, that he's watching over his word to perform those, but not so much the scary ones. The judgment of God doesn't usually come to our mind when we think of God performing his word and ensuring that it happens. God promises His promises of judgment and destruction for wickedness, they don't usually come to mind when we think of God's faithfulness, but God is watching. He's not only watching over His Word to perform it, but what we're going to see in this passage is He's also watching over His judgment to produce it. He's also watching over His judgment to produce it. That's the second thing we see. Look at verse 13 again. He said, The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? He said, And I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said, Out of the north will come disaster. He said in verse 15, For behold, I am calling all the tribes. He said in verse 16, And I will declare my judgments against him. So God has asked Jeremiah twice now, What do you see? And, and, and first he showed Jeremiah an almond tree and told him, Just like you watch that almond tree, I'm watching my word to make sure it performs. But then second, this is important, second, he shows Jeremiah what word he's actually talking about watching. He so shows Jeremiah a, a burning firepot facing or, or, or tilting out of the north, your, your translation might say. And what is this, this burning fire pot a metaphor of? Well, verse 15 and 16 tells us that it's a metaphor of God's judgment. That God himself is calling, verse 15, this disaster down from the north. And he says God is declaring in verse 16 this judgment because of their sin. Now, Jeremiah hasn't identified this danger as of yet, but we know that this is Babylon that he's calling out of the north meaning the words that God is personally watching over to make sure they happen, is the dumping of the boiling pot of, a, of Babylonian, Babylonian aggression onto Judah. God's telling Jeremiah, I'm going to make sure this happens. What specifically will that judgment look like? He says in verse 15, Without saying it explicitly, he describes a siege, an attack against Jerusalem by surrounding its walls. In other words, the the part of God's boiling word of judgment is that Judah will be subjected to the the starvation and the cannibalism that, that a siege oftentimes produces. And for however, however long that siege takes, if you look again in verse 15, God says Babylon will have their way with all the other surrounding unprotected cities. That while Jerusalem is being sieged, God says that, that Babylon is going to devastate all of these unprotected little farming towns like Anathoth. And not only that, look at the very first thing God says at the beginning of verse 15. He says, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north. And he says, "Every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. You see, back then, if a conquering king really wanted to humiliate his enemy, if he really wanted to rub it in, he would set up a throne right in the gate of the city after he had conquered them. It would be akin to, uh, say, in the, in the 40s, Nazi Germany hanging a flag from the Washington Monument, or, or a Taliban leader making phone calls from the Oval Office. It was a sign of complete subjugation. That's the boiling pot of judgment God's watching over to produce on his people. He's saying, I'm going to make sure this happens. I'm going to make sure that Judah is completely humiliated and subjugated to Babylon. And why is he going to do this? Look at verse 16 again. He says he's going to be sure his judgment is produced against Judah because they have forsaken him. And then he gives two reasons. How did they forsake him? He says in the second half of verse 16, that first they have forsaken him by offering offering, uh, sacrifices to other gods, and second, he says, by worshiping the works of their own hands, meaning they looked elsewhere for salvation, in other words, idolatry, and they worshiped what they had accomplished. Again, idolatry. Now, does that sound like anyone you know? Do you know anyone who's looking outside of God for salvation? Or do you know anyone who thinks that their accomplishments, their, their success, their, their wealth, their, their job, do you know anyone that, that they think that makes them better than other people? Well, of course we do. But listen, it's, it's really easy to say that sounds like them. When the truth is, brothers and sisters, that also sounds a lot like the American church. How many American Christians reveal where they're looking for salvation by making a much larger fuss over the importance of electing a certain politician than they do the importance of worshiping God? how many american christians are are prouder of their success and and their toys and their and their stuff than they are of their faith and let's just be honest with ourselves how many of us are trying harder to get a political candidate elected than we are trying to win souls to christ or how many of us think our jobs and our our success determines our worth. Here, I'll go first. I'll be honest. I admit that if I were to lose this church for some reason, I'd struggle very very much to to not take that personally. Okay, Pastor Grant, that little time of sharing was nice. What does that have to do with Jeremiah? Well, I would say this. The culture that our God has called us to speak to. The greater American culture and the American church. They're really not a whole lot different than the culture God called Jeremiah to speak to. It's the same book, different chapter. A a synthetic religious culture with more idols than it can count and a strong desire to protect them. In fact, look at verse 17 again. And I want you to picture as we read this verse, picture God saying this to you right now. But you, dress yourself for work, arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. Yikes. How about you? Are you dressed for work? Are you ready for action? Are you ready to tell the world everything that God has told us to tell them? Are you dressed to take all the words that God has has told you to our culture the words of salvation and the words of judgment? Or like a wannabe assassin? Are you dressed for concealment? Impossible to see and unwilling to take the shot. Well, here's the thing. The answer to that question I don't think is that simple. Some of us are and some of us are not. And if you're anything like me, one day you're slinging the word, the name of Jesus around like you love him. And then the next day you're eating lunch in your car because you don't want to talk to anybody. That's why we need to hear God saying this to us, to dress for action. Now, do I think you need to grow a beard and go down to UNM and set up a little stand there and scream judgment at everybody that passes by? No, unless that's what God's called you to do. And even then, we probably need to have a conversation. But what I'm saying is this that we need to be reminded to do exactly what God told Jeremiah to do. To simply speak to the people God has sent us to and say what He has called us to say. God has sent us to people at work and at school. He sent us to friends and, and sometimes to strangers. And He's told us what to say in His Word. He's told us to, to explain to them. So often when you talk to these people, uh, we like to talk about all the difficulties in our lives. And God has explained to us in His Word that, that to, to tell them whatever difficulty they're describing to you is not their biggest problem. God's told us to explain to them that our Creator has put a a command on their life, has told them how to live, and that that their biggest problem is a heart problem, a sin problem. And probably whatever, whatever they're actually talking to you about, whatever difficult thing, it's probably a result of that sin problem. So God's told us to explain to them about faith in Jesus Christ and that without believing that He died to pay for their sin, that if they don't believe this, He's called us to explain to them, listen, that this life, with all of its pain and all of its heartache and all of its difficulty, is as good as it's going to get. That without Jesus Christ, what awaits them after they die is eternal judgment. Now maybe you're asking, but but what about God's grace and mercy and love? Don't those have something to do with it? I'm not denying that, absolutely. All those are are, are certainly true and, and necessary. But I'm going to be true to God's word. And this part of God's word is talking about judgment. So I'm going to talk about judgment. Let me put it this way. Will anyone you know stand before God someday and say, I wish I had listened to... insert your name. Is there anyone we know who will wish that they had listened to our proclamation of God's judgment when they stand before Him? Children, parents, I know many of you have children. Will they stand before God someday saying, I wish I had listened to my parents' proclamation of the judgment coming for my sin? Because God is watching over his word to perform it, and he's watching over his judgment to produce it. Now, maybe you're listening and you're super excited to go out and proclaim God's judgment to the world. Maybe, maybe this afternoon your server at lunch or your office mate at work, they have no idea what's coming. I'm going to guess that's probably not the majority of you. My guess is most of you are not excited about the repercussions of being this vocal about God's judgment. Well, guess what? God knew that's exactly where we would be, just like he knew that's exactly where Jeremiah would be. So when we find ourselves in this place, afraid, afraid of God, afraid of God, of, of of doing what He's called us to do, afraid of the responses of the people that He's called us to speak to, afraid of the, this task that we've been called to, when we feel afraid like that, when we find ourselves there. Look at verse 18, because there's something else God is watching over. And I, He said, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. So not only is God watching over His word to to perform it, not only is He watching over His judgment to produce it, but God is also watching over His people to protect them. While they go out and do what he's called them to do, he's also watching over his people to protect them. And did God watch over that promise he made to Jeremiah to protect him? Absolutely he did. Jeremiah literally lasted longer than the walls of Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem did crumble. The bronze wall that God built did not. The the surrounding cities were conquered and devastated. The fortified city that God built was not. The throne of the enemy was set up in the gates of Jerusalem, but the iron pillar that God erected never budged an inch. Jeremiah stood firm in his calling to proclaim God's word to his people until God said that time was through. And he was taken to be with the Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, Jeremiah figured out a very, very important life lesson. Jeremiah figured out that success here on earth is measured in obedience, not time served. Jeremiah learned that humiliation and persecution, even death, is not failure. Disobedience is failure. And, and, and I have to say, trust me, we'll see that this wasn't always easy for Jeremiah. He wasn't always perfect at it, but he learned to trust God's promise that he is watching over his people to protect them. Well, Pastor Grant, that's great, but I'm not an Old Testament prophet. Hardly Jeremiah. What does this have to do with me? The answer is, is that God's word to us is very similar to his word to Jeremiah. Not only has he also called us to, to just speak to the people that he sends us to and say what he sends, sends us to say, but what he has to say to us is very similar to what he had to say to Jeremiah. He told Jeremiah he would make him into a bronze wall. Peter tells us that we are living stones being built up into this spiritual house that cannot be shaken. God told Jeremiah he would make him into a fortified city. Jesus tells us that we are a city on a hill. There's light that's shining out in the darkness that can't be be covered up. God told Jeremiah he would make him an iron pillar to stand. He said to stand against the people who would seek to destroy him. And Paul told us that we have the armor of God. The helmet The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the shoes of peace. Why? Why do we have all of this armor of God? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, therefore... Take up the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Brothers and sisters, just like Jeremiah, we have been equipped by God to stand in the face of whatever this world throws at us because of the message he's given us when we're obedient to the Lord to say what He's called us to, He has given us everything to be protected, just like He gave to Jeremiah. He's promised to guide us. He's promised to provide for us. He's promised to protect us. As long as He says we're supposed to do this. And how do you know He's done providing and done protecting and done, and done equipping you? Because you die. That's when you know He's done. And the proof we have, the assurance we have that God is watching over his people to protect them comes not from just just Jeremiah, because Jeremiah was just a warm-up for how God would protect his greater prophet who was to come. Jeremiah still died. The greater prophet who, who spoke the same message of judgment that Jeremiah did. The greater prophet who condemned hypocrites and frauds and, and the self-righteous even more than Jeremiah. You know Jesus' number one topic in the, in the Gospels? Hell. It was the number one thing Jesus talked about. If you want to trust that God is watching over His people to protect them, then you have need look no further than the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Because even though Jesus was crucified for speaking God's words of judgment, the words that He was called to speak, death couldn't hold Him. And God says He will do the same for us if we believe in Him. That whether we're sent to the grave by the hands of age or by the hands of rage whichever it is, we too will rise from that grave someday because God is still watching over His people to protect them. So we proclaim. We preach. We whisper. We shout. All the words that God has given us to give. We prove. We urge. We we convict. All of these things that God has given us to do, we encourage and we condemn We inspire and we indict judgment and salvation. We speak all the words of God, including the judgment to those He's called us to, because He's watching over His word to perform it, because He's watching over His judgment to produce it, and because He's watching over His people to protect them. Let's pray.